Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Snowy day, I-80, by the way, close westbound at the 1511 exits. Series of accidents in Clinton County. That's why they had to close down I-80 there westbound. Uh, so you know, find an alternate route, and if all possible, don't even bother finding any route. Stay home. Great to have you with us today on this Wednesday, National Letter of Intent Day, the early signing period for college football. Greg Pickle in a few moments, but first our play-by-play call of the day. Here he goes by midcourt, down by two. It's Guy, and the shot is up and down. It's a three. They'll review, but what a shot by Guy. It may have just won the Kings the game. It looked like it. It felt like it. And it might have been. What a shot by Kyle Guy, who came off the bench, hits a 25-foot three-point game-winning shot and finishes with six threes off the bench. Let's pretend he didn't do that at uh, Virginia. (laughs) Kevin Harlan with the call on TNT last night. The NBA preseason is underway. All right. This is National Letter of Intent Day, the early signing period for college football. Penn State signed 15 today, and with that, we bring in Greg Pickle from PennLive.com and also does work for 24-7 Sports. Greg, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Hey, good to be with you guys, too, Steve. Well, you, uh, you're the one that, that hunts this stuff down all the time. Uh, is is it important to look not just at the overall rating, but the average star rating of this team to get of this class to get a better read on them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's especially the case with the fact that they have probably I have to go back and look to be 100 percent sure, but this is definitely one of the smaller classes they've had in um, the last 10 years. So you know, it just when you have a small senior class, it's going to work out that way. And you had more guys come back than you thought uh, last year that you know didn't leave for the NFL. So just kind of a lot of things that, that went on in this cycle. But you know, it reminds me a lot of 2016, Steve. Penn State, as we sit here and talk about it in the 247 Sports Composite ranking, at least last update I saw, they were number 19 this year nationally, number five in the Big Ten. That'll fluctuate some as guys decide over the next couple of days and then decide in February if there's a few of them left to do so as well. But I think it's a safe bet to say this is a top 25 class for Penn State, if not a top 20 class, and it's going to be top five or six in the Big Ten. But when you go back to 2016 and look, you know, that was a class, too, where I think a lot of people thought Penn State could have done a little bit better. You know, Dwayne Haskins was in that class, and there were some other receivers. You know, Trey Nixon was a guy that Penn State really went hard after in this class. Carrie Angeline, Napier Upshur, those were two tight ends that Penn State fans really thought they 
they had a chance at. They ended up with uh, with Danny Dalton, you know, and you go across the position board there, and much like this year, there were a lot of guys who Penn State may have felt like they were at one point in the lead for or it looked like they were going to get. You know, I think of Lucas Nyang, the offensive tackle who ended up at TCU in that 16 class. And, I mean, we can go down the list here in this uh, cycle as well with the guys that Penn State either had committed like a – uh, you know, Dante Thornton, who ends up elsewhere, or that they seemed like they were in the driver's seat for and didn't get. You know, Penn State was recruiting Dalen Hayes and Aaron Hansford in that 16th cycle. And, you know, there was a lot of kind of the perspective then was that that class didn't turn out the way it should have. But when you go back and look at it, Steve, you have Miles Sanders, a five star recruit in that signing class. So that turned out okay. Michael Mennett, perfect. Uh, Shane Simmons, a guy who's come on late here, obviously dealt with some injuries, but has been a tremendous locker room guy. I know you don't recruit four stars for that, but. Uh, he certainly hasn't hurt the program. You know, Connor McGovern was in that group. Cam Brown, uh, Will Fry is obviously a multi-year starter. You know, Shaka Tony was a three-star in that class. Blake Gilligan was a terrific punter for Penn State. Antonio Shelton was in that class. So when you go back and look at it with the obvious benefit of hindsight, which is what we do, the recruiting rankings, of course, tell you what the expectations are, and then you go back and check them and see what actually happened. I think this 2021 class, has a lot of that 16 potential in terms of maybe it's not the prettiest on paper, maybe it's not as highly rated as we're used to seeing a James Franklin class, and maybe it missed some guys that we thought they would get. You know, maybe they don't obviously have a Nolan Ruggi, a five-star in this class, but I think that there's enough talent in this uh, 15-member group and there's seven early enrollees to think that this group, I think, will be viewed in a much more positive light down the road than maybe what it is today in the middle of this, uh, you know, pandemic and no in-person visits. Penn State loses its best recruiting tool and all that. So um, I do think that this class can be compared to that 16 group and maybe that we'll look at it like we look at that group now down the road. Many decades ago, J.T. White looked at Joe Paterno and he said, just remember, don't concentrate on who, quote, we don't have, concentrate on who we do have. Uh, so that's that's how, how he looked at it, and then Joe kind of took that and ran, ran from there with that. Um, half of these guys, about half, maybe a little bit more than half, did camp here. What did that do to help their recruiting stock with the Penn State coaches because half of them did camp here? Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously, you know, when uh, you know when you can't get guys, <coughs> excuse me, see, when you can't get guys on campus for uh, almost an entire calendar year, I mean, you miss out on. I mean, I think that's going to impact the 2022 class maybe more than this one. But I, I assure you that Penn State would have found some guys that they would have considered offer worthy, or that they could have impressed more who they already had offered after the kids got to work out with the coaches and go around campus and all of that. And you know, again, that's just the unfortunate reality of this year and this cycle. Is it because of the pandemic? No schools hosted visitors since March. There was always this hope that maybe that would change as the months went on, and then it quickly became apparent early in the summer that that was not going to be the case. Right. So, yeah, the kids who did camp certainly uh, got to step up with the Penn State coaching staff. They were able to see them in person. And, you know, game film this year for the kids that did play certainly helps. You know, obviously a guy like Harrison Wallace really impressed a lot of schools based yes. on how many offers he got down the stretch. He ends up flipping. He gets an offer from Penn State a month and a day after uh, Duke offered, and he jumped on that Duke offer immediately. And then by early December, he flips to Penn State, of course, signed with the Lions today. So, you know, game film certainly helped some kids this year. But, yeah, we'll never know what those missed camps meant to uh, both this class and the next class. But the kids that were able to get on campus certainly got a leg up, I think, uh, in finding a way into Penn State's smaller class this year. Uh, when you uh... – 
when you look at obviously the positional balance of this, I usually look at myself at three years. Look, I admit I don't look at any of the highlight tape. I don't. Um, it doesn't tell me much. But and then I really say that because I you know I get to see them in practice. So that's that's where I start to really form an evaluation. Just to be fair. Uh, but when you look at the positional balance of this team over the last three years, this class with the last two, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the the maybe biggest concern of this particular group is that it's a little light on offensive and defensive linemen. You know, Penn State, so they're starting with the offensive side of the ball. They're going to lose um, Will Fries after this season, and I'll just work under the pretense, Steve, that no one's going right. to use that extra year of eligibility. We, we'll see. Right. But, you know, I'm yeah, so, you know, Will Fries goes, uh, Michael Menick goes. You know, you probably would have liked a guy or two more in this class. Defensive line, same thing. You get Rodney McGall, McGraw, rather, who from Indiana you may have liked to see maybe another guy or two there but you know again I think the tough part about looking at positional balance and I'm sure Andy Frank speaks with the the reporters in about 45 minutes is going to discuss this some too but positional balance anymore is really a challenge I remember early in Andy's time here he had talked about the fact that when they got here they needed to balance out their scholarship table and their roster grid and make sure that they had enough depth at every position. And we all know which positions they were in a bad place with. And, you know, you can get to that point and then through the transfer portal and injuries and guys leaving early, you can quickly find yourself in a world of hurt. So, you know, obviously I think they like what they have have it receiver but if Jahan Dotson would decide to go to the NFL you know you're a little bit light there all of a sudden defensive end might be a spot you would consider a little bit light so you know they have some work to do safety I think you could have that same conversation too so I won't be surprised to see if Penn State does look to find some portal help this year Um, but ultimately you know I think they're doing as well as they can we'll see if they get another running back with Deshaun Morrell the three-star Alabama running back who's going to decide between UCLA and Penn State on uh, on Friday you know I think they like to take a quarterback like to take a running back in each cycle so um and you know i think the one thing that's worth noting is the special teams gets helpful too sanderson hadick's a really good specialist and is going to help the depth of that room for years to come so not bad over the last two cycles but again it's just hard to completely evaluate until you don't know the whole picture and uh without spring practice that obviously convoluted things last year so hopefully that's back on as normal this year and you get uh you know if guys don't like where they're at after that they leave and move on and you know then you get some better feeling for where this roster and depth chart really are but with the extra year of eligibility still in play and obviously the portal will open soon and guys could go to the nfl draft it's tough to really get a strong grasp on it at this point Let's talk about the portal for a moment. How much does that change your job? You're always looking at high school players all the time and what their intentions are going to be. Do you now have to expand that job to then start looking around at at collegiate rosters to start saying, okay, transfer portal possibility and what they look like and evaluate them that way? Yeah, not so much. Usually, I mean, the the 247 Sports, ESPN, uh, and Rivals do a nice job of tracking those entries on a daily basis. So I think we get that information pretty quickly when a guy goes into the portal. If he's somebody who a Power 5 school might want, and even if he's not, you know, that information is pretty well known not long after that guy goes into the portal. So it's more about just waiting to see 
okay, does this guy have any connection to Penn State staff? And now obviously they have some new guys on this staff. So maybe the previous staff didn't, you know, maybe, you know, uh, the guy that came before this coach or that coach didn't recruit this kid, but the new coach recruited him at his old school. So could there be a connection there? You know, what is the position fit? What has the kid been saying? You know, why did he leave? Did he leave because he wasn't playing? Did he leave because he was in a small school and wanted to go and try and find somewhere bigger to play to get more exposure for his last season? Was he blocked at his position? and maybe he was just as good as the other guy coming out of high school, but he hasn't been able to find a way onto the field and wants to go find an opportunity to play. I mean, there's so many variables and reasons why guys go into the portal. And, you know, the tough thing, again, with the – with the transfer situation is that you have guys who are grad transfers and they want to move on for one reason. Now you have underclassmen, you have the one-year transfer rule that looks like it's going to pass and give everyone a free pass. So, I mean, are guys moving around because they're not good enough to play? And the question you always have to ask yourself is, if they're not good enough at School X, what's going to make them good enough at Penn State? So you have to kind of try and dig below the surface and figure out those answers, too. But between Penn State's recruiting staff and obviously the coaching staff and James Franklin, they're able to get those answers. But, yeah, I mean, I think you know, another thing is you don't reach for guys anymore if you don't have to. You don't take a late flyer on a guy because you just have a spot available and want to fill out your class, you know. I think if you're going to do that, you better be 100% because you might rather have saved that space for somebody who ends up transferring. All right, so uh, what about the late signing period now? Uh, is there some room in the late signing period, or is that going to be determined on who stays and who goes? You know, I think there's probably some flexibility there because, you know, they always know they have a better working knowledge of what guys are thinking about leaving than we do. And, of course, there's always some surprises. So I think that they'll have some wiggle room there. Again, the question will just be, with the room they have available, do they want to use that spot for a guy who maybe is a late bloomer, maybe has shown something on tape, maybe decommitted from somewhere else, maybe this was going to sign somewhere in December and then said, Ooh, let me tap the brakes and wait until February to get some answers to some questions that I have about this program or that program. So we'll get some clarity at the end of this week when the early signing period's done, who's still on the board and who's not. Do I think Penn State adds some guys in the you know during the next signing period? Period, yeah, I could see one or two for sure, and they could have some beads on transfer guys at that point. So, you know, again, I think you have to trust your board, and if guys that you evaluated before are still there and you think you can get them, you go all out for them. But I don't know if you're going to see Penn State look for new guys to offer or look for new guys to take. Uh, I think it's more about the ones that are left. You focus on them, and then obviously, again, turn your attention to the transfer portal. What about the Auburn, Arizona, and Illinois situations? Their coaches were released because, they, look, these see and extended into late into this month, so that's why they ended up getting released now instead of doing it on, on say, Thanksgiving weekend. And I'm not saying Penn State's going after the players, whatever, but how does that play nationally, and maybe even for Penn State, about the fact that suddenly these guys are in limbo? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something to watch for here because, obviously, Illinois is the kind of prime example of a school where these kids are set to sign with that school on Sunday. And all of a sudden, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday, and all of a sudden on Sunday, Levy Smith is out. And now you have to say to yourself, well, what do I do at this point? Because there were so many commitments early this year that I don't think there's a lot of schools sitting around with open space. And if they have open space, they may not be able to fit every kid in that class if you wanted to decommit. So now you're sitting there and say to yourself, okay, well, I'm not signing now. I'm definitely going to wait until February meet the new coach but you know we've seen that happen too where kids committed to a school to an old staff and the new staff comes in and says yeah you don't fit our our system you don't fit what we're looking for 
and that kid's kind of left holding the bag trying to find somewhere else to go. So I do think that is worth watching what those schools, um, you know, how many kids they sign during this period, what their other commits decide to do. And it's tough. You're right. I mean, the season backed right up against the uh, signing period here, which was tough for everyone, especially for schools like Penn State and Illinois, who still are playing a game this week and they have to do all this stuff. And interim staff has to try and keep a recruiting class together and get ready for a game. I can't imagine how hectic things are in Champaign. Of course, they're crazy here, too. But at least this staff's been together for a long time. It's classes and solid for months, and it didn't have really too much to worry about. So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on, though, too, Steve. And then anyone who might move on and change jobs after this week, too. You know, again, if guys maybe got the sense that someone's going to move a coach or a coordinator or position coach and they wanted to wait to sign. So, yeah, we'll have to take a look again Saturday morning, Sunday, and early next week, see who didn't end up signing that we thought would, and then evaluate where they could possibly stand with Penn State, if that would even be an option worth considering. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time, Greg, as always. All right. Always a pleasure. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. It was really great earlier today. It was snowing out. Suit was out there with his white jacket on, blending in. Suddenly this started to play from the tramps, Disco Inferno. And he spun that white coat over his head, slipped and fell on his... Okay, uh, it's just, you know, it's just one of those moments. Yeah, it was an ugly scene, I gotta say. Depends on your perspective. <laughs> Oh, people are awful, horrible show, hate it. <laughs> the uh, class, the, first of all, I look for position balance, I see position balance. And when I, mean, I don't mean position balance within this class. I try to take the last two, three classes and see where the, this fits in. So the position balance with this is good. Uh, it, the average star number is good. And you know, look, I never really put a value on and didn't think too much about stars and so forth before. Um, you know, because I know Joe didn't value it that much, so I probably was influenced greatly by that. But I, you know, look, I understand uh, it gives everybody at least a gauge um, about where a guy is, uh, you know, what people think about them. So I, I understand that part. So the average star number uh, is. Uh, really good with this class. This average star number fits in with the average star numbers of the other classes that I've had that have been in the top 15. 
in the top ten. The average star number of this group is right there with it. The problem is is that you you have fifteen people and not twenty five. But that's to be expected. When you have a senior day with twelve seniors running out of the tunnel, that tells you you're not going to get the um, you're not going to get great numbers in recruiting. It's as simple as that. Andy's right, though. I know Greg brought this up because I asked about it, but Andy Frank is right about this. The director of player personnel for Penn State is that look, they're going to have to take a, you know, they got a couple spots they're looking at in the late signing period, which is the first Wednesday of February, and they'll be looking at the transfer portal. I know that they're still looking at defensive ends. I know they're still looking for, you know, an offensive lineman. I know they're still looking at another wide receiver, depending on what the what it happens to be. There's also another part. About half of this class camped here at Penn State. When you camp someplace, it makes a big difference. Because it's not just I can see how fast you are compared to somebody else or your skill set, but I also can see your demeanor. I can see your personality. I can see how you fit in with people. When I mean demeanor and personality, if you get beaten to play, do you sulk? Do you get so mad you can't play the next play? Or do you keep your poise and you go right to the next play and then make a play? In a camp, you can see that. That's why seeing people in person is so important. And a little bit more than half the players that Penn State has in this class did camp here. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. They also have four-wheel drives. Thought I'd mention it. Seemed like the timing was right. And not only that, they have great pre-owned inventory. Maybe that's what fits your budget. Well, they have a great selection of that, which is really important. And it comes with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's a good day. Since you can't really go out to the lot today, it's a good day to check everything out online at sunburymotors.com because the holidays are a great time to buy a vehicle. I mean, the other day, for example, Matt was out in the parking lot and there was a big tag on it that said, To Matt from Matt. He's like, you know. And then he, then he looked over at me and he said, I deserve it. That's right. Well, I wouldn't get cocky about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's an old that's an old line that Joe would set you up with. He'd give you the like, you know, a build up or whatever and you go, Yeah, yeah, you know, and like and he'd say, No, well, I wouldn't brag about it. <laughs> <sighs> the guy's sense of humor was something. He could, give, he, he could give you the needle. He was, I'll tell you, Joe could give you the needle. He was, you know, sharp, quick. Oof. Right. Uh, 
I know the suit said, yeah, I said to me, I'm a lot like him. There was dead silence just like now. All right. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> All right. So letter of intent day. Uh, this is you know, this is where you're replenishing, but it's just so tr- so tricky now. And the reason it's tricky is you don't know how many players are coming back. Now, obviously, they have, um, you know, they have an idea through their conversations that, uh, you know, who probably is thinking a certain way. And usually about this time of the year, they know. I mean, usually going into a bowl game right around now, they know. They know exactly. And before they, they signed a class, they knew. But right now, you're having more of conversations about not just whether a guy's leaving early for the draft, or now you're having conversations about are you going to go into the draft or do you want to come back, even if you're a fifth-year senior. Now that plays havoc with your numbers. That plays havoc with your numbers. And I think that it is... uh, And then you get to the transfer portal. I think that is going to become, for some programs, not this pro. I think for Penn State, for Penn State, my opinion... My opinion is that it'll be a supplemental part of Penn State football recruiting. I think initially it might become an important part of the next Penn State basketball recruiting cycle. They, you know, Penn State basketball needs to remain older, and Penn State, of course, right now does not have any signees. You know, because of the because of the circumstances, you know nobody nobody signed in November, so a transfer portal might be important for Penn State basketball to be a primary source to get players here. Football, it's I think it's going to be important in football for years to come. The transfer portal, but I think at Penn State, it's going to be a supplemental part of the recruiting. just my opinion because again I think when you uh, I'm, I'm watching boy. well first of all okay let's go with Illinois well, Illinois is loaded with transfers the top receiver Josh Emmitohebe Emmitohebe is a transfer from USC his brother who's the backup tight end, who actually played against Penn State in the Rose Bowl, played in the game. He did not watch the game. He played in the game. Transfer from USC. Hightower, the wide receiver, transfer from Miami. Chase Brown, the running back, transfer. Transferred in from Western Michigan. Brandon Peters, quarterback, transferred in from Michigan. I mean, this is just the offense. This doesn't include the guys on defense. They, in fact, they even refer to themselves in their game notes as transfer you. 
because that's what they tried to do. They tried to get well quickly by using the transfer portal. Now, they made a bowl game under Lovey. You know, Luke Ford, the tight end. I want to say Ford transferred in. I want to say from Oklahoma State. Something like that. Then they have transfers on defense. Now, I don't know. Uh, and I'm using Illinois because Illinois, it's, it's worked to a point, but has not been the total solution. I guess that's my point. I also think that Penn State over the years has done a good job of taking... It's, it's one thing we talk about the star rating going in. And again, I'm not going to sit here and devalue star ratings. You know, now, when Joe was the coach, I admit, I devalued star ratings. And that part of that is, is that when you're sitting in this job and the coach is devaluing star ratings, you sit there and, okay, you devalue star ratings too because you want to remain on the same page with them. Uh, I, you know, I think for the most part, these star ratings are, at least in high school, are pretty, pretty good in reality. Um, but as you know, I don't watch highlight tapes because highlight tapes, highlight tapes at least show you some of the basics. And I don't blame any fan. I don't blame a single fan for wanting to watch a highlight tape because you're anxious to see what they look like. I got it. But because you're anxious to see them doesn't mean as 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 the person who has the professional job in doing this it doesn't it doesn't help me at all and here's the reason why it doesn't help me I really start zeroing in on players when they actually are in practice now I'm seeing them you know and again this is the advantage of doing the job I do I get to see them against comparable talent and now you get the gauge of, wow, that guy can play right away. Well, I don't know. This guy might help this season, right? Or you know what? That guy's a year or two away. Or a couple guys you look at and say, boy, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, that happens once in a while where you look at somebody and say, oh, man, I don't see it. Well, let's give it some time. Maybe I'll start to see something. In all seriousness. And that's where I get my evaluation. When you look at you know, there, and there's certain things you can see, too, when you're watching them in practice. And it goes back to what I talked about camp earlier, something that's not going to show up in the highlight tape. All right, you're doing great, you're doing well. What's your demeanor? How are you carrying yourself? Are you just locked in on the next play? Are you working every day to get better? Or do you look around and say, yeah, I got it made? See, Saquon Barkley never for a second ever thought he had it made. I've always considered Saquon to be a perfectionist. I mean, if something went right, man, he would be look around and go, oh, you got to be kidding me. Now, he fueled himself and made himself better. Justin Shorter? Justin Shorter was a guy that was always his worst enemy in terms of his own critic, but he couldn't get it out of his system and he kept compounding it by thinking too much and it's not like Justin Shore doesn't have some talent he does 
And I hope he's doing great at Florida, but he was always his worst, his own worst critic. The difference was Saquon would do something about it. Sometimes with shorter, it would compound itself. Uh, and that's why, and then there's the other part. What happens if you get beaten? You're in practice. You're going to get beat in practice. You just are. As many terrific plays as I saw John Reed make, as many terrific plays as I saw Michael Monty make, as many great plays I saw Jared Odrick make, as many great runs as I saw Larry Johnson make in practice, in practice, or great catches I saw Allen Robinson make. I saw Robinson drop a couple of balls in practice. I saw Adrian Amos get beat. Bobby Ingram, I can't use Bobby Ingram. I never saw him drop a a pass in practice. Um, I saw Larry Johnson fumble in practice. How do they react to it? Do they get up and go to the next play and lock into the next play and work to make themselves better? Or do they sulk? That's why when I talk about the camp part, the camp part is so important to show that, you know, and they'll never show that on a highlight tape. That's why it's called a highlight tape. And again, I don't blame a single fan for watching a highlight tape because you're anxious to see what they look like. It's the reason I don't look at it is that I just want to go in with a fresh slate when I see them in practice and start my own thought process when that happens. You know, Michael Robinson missed passes. Daryl Clark missed passes. They ended up being Big Ten Offensive Players of the Year. Because in practice, they miss a passing. Okay, boom, next. You know, Trace McSorley, next. It was something that every once in a while, Christian would get, Hackenberg would too, get too frustrated about something. Like, you know, it's like, settle down. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the complete package of player, a guy that has the athleticism, a guy that has the attitude, looks like the guy that's willing to make a sacrifice, looks like a guy that's willing to compete. You know, somebody that has a real big-time work ethic. These are all things that you can spot in a practice. And that's why I'd rather I'd rather go in personally. It's my own personal opinion with a blank slate, so I can start then formulating. Okay, let's see what we have here. Boy, it looks like he could play now. I mean, like right now. Yeah, I'll tell you by midseason. You know, I'll give you an example. I thought by midseason Marquise Wilson last year could play. I thought you know, I told Jack. I said I think by midseason he might play. And by midseason he was. Then there are a couple guys that you look at and say, you know what? They're going to need a couple of years. Judge Culpepper was one. I looked at Judge and I thought, eh, it might take Judge a couple of years, but he'll eventually play here. Well, now Judge is playing here now. Um, now, sometimes you miss on somebody. I mean, like anybody, you miss. You sit there and go, man, I thought that guy would be playing by now. Or um, I think the guy can play now, and then all of a sudden he does play now, and guess what? He's struggling. I mean, that happens. But the highlight tape, uh, valuable for the fan that's anxious to see what they look like, I get it. For me, not so much because, I mean, if you're going to show me a highlight tape, I want to see if the guy misses three shots in a row from the from the corner. 
and then see what he does down the floor the next time. It's interesting what's happening, though, with Auburn, Illinois, and Arizona. Because of the way the season played out, you're having a letter of intent day in the middle of a game week. Now Arizona's done. They're done. But all three of them got rid of their coaches before the signing date. Wow. thought that was interesting. What becomes of those recruits? What if you're the assistant coaches at Auburn, Illinois, and Arizona? Or let's face it, all, every one of them feels like they're a lame duck. Not easy. Matt's the only person left in the station. Actually, no, it's me in the suit. You're kidding me. I do not lie. I know you don't. (laughs) I'm baffled by this. This guy takes his birthday off. All right, uh, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Is there any particular reason the suit doesn't want to go home, or is that personal? Just was wondering. Hey, we can't have that much business. He feels he has to be there at the moment. It's snowing out. So all the wise markets are shut down right now. Does that sound right? Did I lose you there? Just wondering if I lost Matt here. All right. Uh, An I-80 westbound at the 210 exit, which is 11 and 15. Does that sound right? Yep, it's uh, 15 there, which is the Lewisburg exit, and uh, that's where it's closed, and it stretches into Clinton County because of the accidents there. So... Uh, yeah, it's two. westbound, not not eastbound, but westbound. Correct, yeah. And then uh, alternate routes that are in place now is uh, I-80 West, or I-180 West, excuse me, to Route 220 North or Route 15 North to 220 North to get you into Clinton County. All right, okay. So that and then what the wise markets are closing for the day, correct? Yep, everybody around here in central PA, including out your way. Yeah. Yep, State College as well. Right about now, actually. Then they reopen at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, it's coming down pretty good here right now. It's coming down pretty good. Uh, I know the next job for me is to uh, fire up the snowblower. I did that the other day, by the way. Just I said, eh, Sunday, I better start this thing up, make sure we got here. There you go. Started started right up, ran it for about 10 minutes. I said, all right, set the go. I have my supplies all ready to go. I don't have a long driveway, so I can just get away with couple shovels so i have them all ready to go i put the quick ice down mm-hmm. before i left so we'll take care of that get luke out for the snow for his first snowfall at some point you're you know. gonna make him shovel snow he's 11 months old what's <laughs> wrong with you <laughs> no ah. daddy will take care of that he'll ah, play with mommy in man. the snow while daddy does the hard work no suit light ed do the same thing when he was one <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's unbelievable ah <laughs> oh, man 
well, this is a real hard group here. Hardcore. But be safe out there. I mean, if seriously, try to avoid whatever you, you know. I'd rather have you here for the show tomorrow. So if you can avoid going out, just sit there and just let it snow. Face of the holiday lights are on. I mean, mine, mine are popping on right now. It's like, you know, with this snow, it looks pretty good. But the game plan is this. I'm going to go out now when I'm done with the show, and I'm going to fire up the snowblower, take care of the driveway, give it an initial, probably go back out about 9 o'clock, do it again. That way, tomorrow when I get up, it will be deep, but it'll be half of what it would have been. So that's the game plan. That's what we're going to do. Uh, see, that's going to be a fun night tonight to have a bowl game on. Actually, the first bowl game, by the way, is Monday. Did you know that? I did not. The Myrtle Beach Bowl is Monday. Ah. There's three new bowl games this year, the Fenway Bowl, the L.A. Bowl, and the Myrtle Beach Bowl. The only one that is going to be played is the Myrtle Beach Bowl. The other two have been canceled for this year. Uh, But, yeah, first game is on Monday. And we have championship games this week. So we have that. Let's see. Bowls. Appalachian State, North Texas, 2.30 on Monday, Myrtle Beach Bowl. Tuesday, Tulane, Nevada, famous Idaho Potato Bowl, 3.30. BYU and Central Florida, 7 o'clock Tuesday night in the Boca Raton Bowl. Wednesday, 3 o'clock, Louisiana Tech, Georgia Southern, New Orleans Bowl. Then Wednesday night at 7 Memphis and Florida Atlantic in the Montgomery Bowl. Hawaii's taking on Houston in the New Mexico Bowl, but I believe that game's being played in Frisco, Texas on Christmas Eve. And that's the last one. Well, let's see. There's a couple of others, that, like two others that have teams committed to it. Everything else is TBD. For example, the uh, Lending Tree Bowl is Georgia State, Western Kentucky on... Saturday the 26th and Texas San Antonio is committed to the first responder bowl on the 26th as well everybody else we're going to find out on Sunday including Penn State's bowl fate I know you think there are too many bowls yes we've got to calm down a little bit Doesn't matter to me. Kansas State, by the way, became the first Big 12 team to opt out of a bowl today.